Good morning. Are we on? We're live. We're here, coming into your home. Welcome to Hillside Community Church Online. It's an honor to be here with you today. My name's Kevin. I'm one of the pastors, and I want to greet you, give some announcements, and then we'll pray together. So just to keep you guys up to date, um, we send out weekly emails, and I think that as we move forward, our weekly emails are going to continue to be really important as new information comes out about us starting to meet here in this building again in the coming weeks. If you're not on that, you can go to our website. You can push the subscription and start receiving those weekly emails. You'll get all the details around what is happening. It also gives you some specific ways to engage with prayer, some of the things that we're praying for in our community. And also, our Facebook page is another great place. And we're seeing a lot of interaction on Facebook. It is a place where we can share thoughts and ideas as part of our community, and we protect that. And so um, we make sure that to get onto that Facebook page, it's a closed page. Um, if you are wanting your friends or family from outside of those who attend Hillside on a regular basis to be part of it, make sure you email me, because if you don't, I'm just gonna delete it if I don't know who they are, and they don't have friends that are connected to the people that do attend here. Also, just to let you know, we're meeting this week. Um, kids camp was canceled, which was unfortunate. But we've got some ideas that we're going to start brainstorming ways that we can take kids camp to our children this summer and into the fall. We want to continue to make sure that we honor our kids and grow them towards the Lord. So be praying about that. We're going to get together um, on Zoom and do a little uh, conversation about what that can look like. So I'm excited about what those potential opportunities are going to be. And then also keep in prayer. We're going to have a leadership meeting tonight and we're going to get together on Zoom and really talk through what the ramifications are, but really just the process of what it's going to look like to come back into this facility. And we're still waiting on the governor to make some um, kind of guidelines tomorrow. Those should come out. We're going to look at those closely. We do know that other counties, like Douglas County, has received a variance to go back to church, and they've made some of those requirements very specific. Jefferson County has not done that quite yet, and so we're waiting to, to have our conversation tonight with leadership but we're also going to um, possibly be sending out a survey here in the next week to just find out where you're at. Um, we want to make sure that as we make this transition, we honor those that want to stay home. We're going to continue to be online, and we also want to provide a safe place where we're going to take all of the needed precautions to open this facility back up as we continue to do church. We've always been doing church. We are the church, but we want to honor, too, those that want to come back here. So. We'd really cover your prayers as we do that this week, and we want your feedback too. So if you have things that you want to share, email me. I'll make sure that we talk about it. If you've got thoughts, concerns, or just creative things that you want to share, make sure you let me know, and I'll share it with the rest of the team. But lastly, I want to pray for us, and specifically I want to make sure I pray for everything that's going on in our world, both from COVID but also just the protection and safety of everybody that's involved in rioting, um, and trying to make sure that uh, we keep people safe in this time. So let's pray together. Father, in the midst of this, we thank you for who you are. I know that as Gus is going to preach today, we're going to learn uh, just that reminder of who you are, your sovereignty, your lordship over us, and the importance of making sure that we proclaim you as our God. Father, I pray um, for everybody who continues to and deal with and being sick from COVID or being isolated at home or recovering. Father, we pray that everything that goes on in our world would be a reminder to move closer to you. Um, through these um, 
last two to three months, it has been new and challenging for all of us. But I pray in the newness and in the challenge, we would discover more of who you are. And Father, today I also pray for the cities across our nation that are battling through um, riots and protests. Father, I pray that you would keep um, everyone safe. Pray for those that want to speak their voice to be heard. But I also pray for our law enforcement community that they would be exceptionally protected right now as they're just trying to keep our community safe. Pray that you be with them, their loved ones, and their children at home who are worrying about them being out and about doing their job uh, to protect us. And for today, we pray for this service. I pray that you would be with us, that you would be in the midst of everything that we do, and that you would make your presence known in all of our homes, wherever we are. Amen. All right, let's sing together. strength is failing 
Morning. I encourage you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to speak on that this morning. I just want to say today in the midst of the trying times we're in, it's so important to know that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. What an encouraging thing that is to know. In his book, Be Complete, Warren Wiersbe shares these thoughts. He said, each Christian is a member of this spiritual body, and Jesus Christ is the head. In Greek usage, the word head meant source and origin, as well as leader and ruler. Jesus Christ is the source of the church, his body, and the leader. Paul called him the beginning, which tells us that Jesus Christ has priority in time as far as the church is concerned. No matter which name you select, it will affirm the preeminence of Jesus Christ in the church. The church has its origin in him, and today it has its operation in him. As the head of the church, Jesus Christ supplies it with life through his spirit. He gives gifts to men and then places these gifted people in his church that they might serve him where they are needed. And through his word, Jesus Christ nourishes and cleanses the church. I think Paul and the Epistle to the Ephesians agrees with all these thoughts. They're truths. And yet, I think we have choices we've got to make ourselves. To believe and submit to his headship or to try to do the work of God on our own strength. These choices we make today and the days that follow will determine how the church will function either as an organism or as an organization. By Christ's leadership or man's ideas and strategies. And Paul gives us three powerful reasons to submit to the headship of Jesus Christ. First, his preeminence, which includes his greatness, his exaltation, and his God-given authority. Second, his purpose, Jesus' purpose is for the growth of the body. And then finally, that this headship is governed by love. And I'm really excited to share that. I wanted to share something real briefly. Last week I talked about my two neighbors and having a really interesting encounter with them, really feeling attacked. Well, uh, last Sunday night I was taking a late walk with our, with Kona, Nicole and Casey's dog, and it was like 8.15, 8.30, and I saw one of the neighbors, and I thought the Lord just said, go talk to this guy, and it was, it was great to talk with him, kind of challenged to really think through what we had talked about and just said, hey, if we're going to be in disagreement, that's fine. But we just got to have compassion and love people. And, and then last night, I received a voicemail from the other neighbor who really had attacked me. And he, really, he just apologized. He said he was really wrong for saying the things he said. Asked if I'd come by. At some point, we could grab some coffee together. And I, I just feel like God's got such a, a purpose in the midst of these trying times. And I kept thinking to myself, just by the grace of God, 
I didn't try to be right. <laughs> I got out of there before I said some things that I would have really regretted. So let me just ask you to bow your heads and let's ask God's blessing on his word today. Father God, we are just so grateful that you are sovereign over all things, that nothing that's happening now is taking you by surprise. You are the eternal one, the great one, and you've given us your Holy Spirit to speak into our lives, but also to speak truth. And we just invite him to speak through your word today. Lord, we just want to be people that are known for Jesus. Lord, that we would be more concerned about doing right than living, than, than have to be right in a day when people are so angry in some issues. And just help us to live right. Let's bless your word today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me remind you the theme of the book of Ephesians. It's by the grace of God and for his glory. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling in Christ. In the first three chapters, the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, begins to expound on the great riches that are available to believers. That it's all by God's grace and kindness in our life. We have everything we'll ever need or desire Spiritually speaking, not because we deserve it, only because God is a God who loves unconditionally by faith in Christ. And even the faith we have is a gift from God. See, God lavishes his riches and kindness upon his children by his grace and for his glory. In the last three chapters, Paul encourages believers to walk in a manner worthy of that calling, that we'd be people of grace to this world around us. Maybe more than ever do we need to be those people, that we would have an opportunity to serve the Lord through kindness to others. In chapter 1, Paul begins to look at these specific riches, speaks about all the spiritual blessings available to believers, speaks about God's love, in adopting us into his family, forgiveness of sin, redemption, inheritance, now and forever, and then the work of the great God, the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and then Paul shifts and begins to pray that we'd understand this. He really wanted us to grasp who the triune God was, that we could know him and know that he cares. But at the end of this prayer, he brings up another profound truth that could be missed is the headship of Jesus Christ to the church that the Father has ordained and established that. And then he includes three profound characteristics. If you have chapter 1 open, read verse 20 and 21. It says, Then he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also the one to come. That first characteristic is Jesus' greatness. Paul wanted believers to comprehend the greatness of Jesus over any other heavenly beings. Principality, power, might, dominion. All these are traditional Jewish terms they're really speaking about angelic beings. And it says Jesus is far above them. He is the highest rank. He said one of the significant reasons for Jesus' greatness is he is the creator of all things. Colossians chapter 1. 
And Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and the earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. When put in a category of greatness, Jesus is left alone. He stands alone. There are no others. He is preeminent. He is the potter and we are the clay. He's the creator. We are his creatures. Therefore, God the Father exalted Jesus above all things. Again, in, in his prayer, verse 22 and 23, it says, And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Interesting here that Paul quotes Psalm 8, verse 6. And then the writer of the Hebrews kind of speaks about this verse in Hebrews chapter 2. And he says these words. He says, you have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not see all things subject to him. Everything is in subjection to Christ. Even things we can't see. Remember, Paul defines the church as a living organism, not an organization or a building. It's his, it's his body. And without the head, the body dies. We have such a choice. Are we thinking with Jesus' thoughts or just doing our own thing? Each day is an opportunity to really think differently, to take captive those thoughts, because, man, with all the new stuff coming our way, continuously, we've got to be careful. It's going to draw us into anger and frustration and instead of just love and concern and compassion. Which leads to a third characteristic implied by the text, is that all authority has been established by the Father to Jesus, Matthew 28. It says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Absolute sovereign authority. Absolute sovereign authority. Lordship over all was handed to Christ in heaven and on earth. He is a benevolent dictator. And it's up to us to worshipfully submit, to, to, to depend on him humbly for everything in our lives. He's this preeminent savior we put our faith in. No wonder the apostle Paul would later write these words to the Romans is, oh, the depths of the riches of both the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, how unfathomable his ways. 
For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who became his counselor? For from him and through him and, and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. We are to live each day in awe of the preeminence of Christ as an act of sacrifice and worship to God that you might do his will, that we might do his will. Every day is an opportunity to be part of God's plan, his will that can impact people forever. Kevin and I were just briefly talking this morning. We were talking about how much grace does God give us. I think it has much more to do do we believe that God has grace for us. I think each day we, as we walk through life and we struggle, we can ask for that grace for each situation. So what I'd suggest is, yeah, some people have more grace because they're just asking and believing they, they can have it. But he says this again in Romans 12, right after he just talked about the profoundness of God. He says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The Apostle Paul begins by presenting Jesus' preeminence that his headship was established by the Father. Then in chapter 4 of Ephesians, he speaks of the purpose of Jesus's headship that is for the growth of the body you have chapter 4 pick it up in verse 11 it says and then Jesus gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ as a result I like this as a result we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men by craftiness and deceitful scheming but speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in all aspects of him who is the head even Christ from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. See, the goal has to be growth. That's his purpose, that we would mature, that we might speak truth in love, that we wouldn't be just carried away by every doctrine or every lie that's out there. And, and beloved, be careful. Because no matter what station you're listening to, people got some agenda going on here. And it just feels like it's moving people. It's not moving them to love. You know, we got to be careful what we hear. We got to be discerning. We got to take those thoughts captive. So we might do what's right. We might listen well. He said, how did God do that? Well, it gives us spiritual leaders. In a couple weeks, I want to speak more of that. What, what does it look like to have spiritual leadership in the church? And they are to teach and equip, to give us tools to live and to help us to grow in the faith, to live and depend more on Jesus every day. This isn't a list of do's and don'ts. 
a freedom to live and make a difference. You know, I was looking back, it's over 21 years ago that I was really called by the Lord to come to Hillside. And I, I kind of reflected on this, this this week, that decision that was made. And one of the first questions that kept coming up by people was, Gus, what are you going to do as a pastor? Because this was really a new role. I mean, it's one thing to be the chaplain at the university. You're kind of a pastor over the students. It's a whole nother to be in a local body. Just different. And, and what I would say to people, I would say, well, I'm going to disciple up and train up spiritual leaders. That's going to be my first goal. And I'm going to equip others to submit to the lordship of Jesus in their lives. And then I'm going to let them lead. And if they're trained up, I'm just going to empower them. And I'm going to let them lead and, and live under the headship of Christ that we would try to do his will. Men and women who would believe and see profound things in their families, in their neighborhoods, in their workplaces, even all the way around the world. And if done the way the church is to function, it wouldn't need me to be the pastor. And I got a chance to see that happen. Back in 2006 through 2007, I got a one-year sabbatical from the church. And I sat in the back of the church for many Sundays and watched our guys, our leadership lead in the church was growing. There was an excitement. More people got involved. They were growing in their faith. They were speaking truth. It was amazing to watch. I then kind of had to beg my way back in. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think the church is doing a little too, too good at that point. <sighs> See, when Jesus is preeminent as head of his people, Trust in him for his purposes. Profound growth will take place in his body. But don't miss the practicality of Jesus' headship. His headship is governed by love. Chapter 5 is an interesting passage of scripture. I'm going to pick it up in verse 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present himself the church in all her glory, having not spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, and he who loves his own wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. It says, just as a man is to love his wife and protect her, and need be give his life up for her, so Christ does that for the church. So profound and yet so practical. He dies for the sins of the world, and yet he's involved with the sinners, <laughs> personally. He directs the body all around, sovereignly directs the body all around the world, and yet he cares about our needs and our struggles, even our anxieties. See, love is his motive. Love is the growing, governing principle behind his headship. Interesting, this isn't a passage on marriage. It's used in weddings often. It was meant to really describe Jesus' relationship to the church, to his body. You say, well, how do we know that? Well, it says in verse 32, chapter 5, this mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. <laughs> he answers that question. 
be it's his love that governs the church and governs our lives. And that love will never fail. It will never fail. So how do we apply these truths from God's word this morning to our lives? Let me suggest a few thoughts. First of all, Jesus' headship is established by the Father, and the result is his preeminence. Above all, great and exalted one, creator and authority of the church, he deserves reverence from us. Because he is the great one. He's the exalted savior. There's two prophetic passages. One in the Old Testament speaks about when Christ would come. And one says when he comes again. And listen to the words of Isaiah. It's for a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. That was the reference to the Christ who would come and this is the reference to the Christ who will come again. And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and Jesus, who sat on it, is called faithful and true. And he, in righteousness, he judges and wages war. His eyes are flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword so that with it we may strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robes and on his thigh he has written, King of kings and Lord of lords. You know, that, that fear, when we talk about the fear of God, it, it, we need to have a reverence, but we need to be a little afraid of this holy God also. We, we just need to understand he's a holy God. There should be more reverence and awe of him, not just in our worship on Sundays, but every day as we live our lives out. Second thought, Jesus' purpose as head is for the growth of the body, really to become mature, that we would grow to become these people of grace, and can I say that was the Apostle Paul's purpose for his life? Listen to what he says here in Colossians. It says, we proclaim Jesus, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this I also labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me, that everyone would be complete. Every man, every woman would be more mature in the Lord We have a discipleship group on Thursday nights and we're going through the purpose-driven life together and there's two questions that have kind of oversee the book. I think they're really good questions. First question, what are you going to do with Jesus? I mean, what are you going to do with him? How are you going to respond? 
And I think that question is not just asked of people who don't believe. I think it might be even more important what you do with them if you do believe. And then the second question is, what are you going to do with what God has given you? These gifts that he's given. See, we have purpose and we have responsibility to help others to grow. Through prayer, small groups, discipleship, corporate worship, to help others live in the blessings, not the curse and the sins of their fathers. See, I believe the Lord can overcome all those things if we trust them. What are you going to do with them? Ask yourself, who can I encourage and help to grow? Maybe it's your children. You can start to do some things you haven't done. I don't know. Maybe it's a friend. Or, or maybe you need somebody to help you grow. I'd encourage you. And I always say this. Write some names down. Pray over that. Maybe go to somebody if you need some help. Ask for wisdom. Grow in your faith. We need each other, beloved. Final thought, his rulership, his headship is governed by love. Verse 16 Chapter 4 says, From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. I mean, the growth has got it in love. It's got to be us loving other people. Every day we should pray for opportunities. You know, I really try to do is I really try to listen in the mornings. To, to names the Lord might put on my heart. I write their names down. And then I just say, okay, God, is there something you want me to do here? Is something, some way I can bless these people? I, mean, I don't know what that means. My hope for our community is we'd be known for love. It's a great comfort to be a senior pastor. No, I don't have to make things happen. Jesus is the head. And he's plenty. He's enough. We need to sl- submit our lives to his headship. Pray for your elders. I mean, we need it right now more than ever to make just wise decisions. Pray for humility in our lives and submission to the preeminent one, Jesus, who is the head of the church. Let's pray together. Father, I just was thinking this morning so much of our police officers and Thank you for Kevin and the ministry he has with chaplains to these faithful men and women who daily protect us, daily put their lives on the line. I pray for your protection on them especially. Thank you for them being so willing to be in the places we don't want to be, dealing with people we don't want to deal with. God, I pray your blessing on them today, your favor, your protection in the midst of people who are angry directing a lot on them, which is so unfair. God, have your hand upon them. And Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would remind us of our need to submit our lives to Jesus more and more each day. He's not just the head of the church, but he's the Lord of our lives. We have an opportunity to make a difference. We have purpose, but we need Jesus to to live that out. We want to be people growing in our faith. Lord, last, we just ask again, your Holy Spirit would remind us to be people of love. Lord, that we wouldn't get in these conversations that we're trying to fight through things that are never going to get solved, maybe until we get to heaven, but we'd be people that would be kind and patient. 
Lord, that we'd act in love with your love, Lord. We ask your blessing on this day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we celebrate Pentecost and a day where the Holy Spirit uh, ascends upon us as a church, you know, and none of that becomes possible without God being in complete control, without Christ being the head of the church, without us being in this position to be able to receive that power of the Holy Spirit today. And so as I'm sitting there, I just like, what do I do? Like, what do I do with this message and all this stuff? Just I encourage you this week to be on your knees and be in prayer. Uh, be in prayer about this pandemic. Be in prayer about the lives of people that are involved and in hurting across this nation. Um, if we as a church can rise up and make sure that we access this power of the Holy Spirit and be in prayer, uh, there is tremendous change that can come. So let's as a congregation make sure we do that. Be praying for each other as we move forward in this new season of life. And uh, let's make sure we remember our neighbors as well. So thanks for being here. See you next week. I will trust you, and I will trust you're in this place.